You're listening to the My Three Picks podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ages. On each episode of the show, we'll be talking with some really interesting people who will be sharing three of their favorite pictures with us. Maybe it'll be pictures they've been in, pictures they've taken, or pictures they just really like. But the common thing between all the pics will be that there's something important or meaningful to those pictures that has had an impact on their lives somehow. So sit back, get comfortable, and let's get on to the podcast. All right, welcome back to the My Three Picks podcast. Happy spring to everybody. You know, I have to say thank thank goodness for warm weather and greenery because as a guy from Canada, I'm tired of the dirt and brown of like the shoulder season of winter. It's gross. So it's a good thing. It's particularly good for creative people who want to get out and start taking photos again if they like to shoot outside. Um, it's a real freeing experience. But I want to jump right into this episode and introduce you to my guest today. Frederick Arnada. Am I saying that right, Frederick? Arnada? Frederick Aranda. Aranda, I'm sorry. That's Frederick okay. Aranda. Now, admittedly, you know, if guests are being referred to me by other guests, I find it like a really nice way to 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 invite people on the show. But there are other people that I literally just cyberstalk. And uh, and Frederick is one of those people. I just love his work. And I reached out to him and I said, I'll see if you'll come on the show. And I'm really grateful that he said. I will. I'm going to come on the show. So thanks so much for doing that. Um, yeah, yeah. So Frederick's commercial portrait photography is based in London, uh, England, and he's done incredible work. Uh, you have to check out his stuff. He's done work with clients like Gucci, uh, Pharrell Williams, Ian McKellen, Rosamund Pike, uh, magazines like Harper's Bazaar, and clients like the Royal Ballet, and many others. I will be here for a long time if I'm going through the list, so I'm going to stop. Um, but welcome to the podcast, Frederick. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I think a lot of a lot of people, um, I think they have a great deal of kind of their their kind of vision of the world and their development in terms of their rela- early relationships and early life. You know, their relationships with the parents, family members, friends, etc. I know you've moved around a bit, right? When you were young, like tell me, has, do you do you feel like that's had a bit of an impact on how you see the world? Absolutely. Yes. I grew up in Switzerland, uh, in Geneva, to be precise. And I went to an international school there. So uh, I was I was exposed to people from all walks of life and from of all descriptions, really, from the very start. And and I think that helped me a lot. And it really shaped my outlook on life and and how how the world doesn't seem like such a such an impenetrable place when you know people from Kenya, from Japan, everywhere you want to travel, you want to discover all these places and they seem much more real. Right. You know? Right. Um, and then I, I moved to the UK in, um, in my teens, in my late teens to study at university to, to do a degree in Japanese. So then I got to go live in Japan okay. uh, for a couple of years. And uh, after my degree moved back to the UK and set myself up as a photographer. Right. Did, did some of your friends at Oxford kind of see some of your work and, and you thought, and they said, Hey, you know, you're kind of, you're good at this. You're pretty good at this. And is that where things you kind of said to yourself, Hey, maybe, I, maybe I've got a shot at this. Maybe I should do this. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess that still answers your previous question. I, uh, you know, it's, it's all those things that happen early in life that, that shaped what I'm doing now. And mm-hmm. uh, when I was at Oxford, I, I was doing a degree in Japanese, but I taught myself photography right. uh, on the side. It was a hobby. And actually, the the real reason I started to take pictures 
is because my parents were going through a divorce and I wanted to help my mum feel beautiful at a difficult time. So I picked up a camera and did a photo shoot with her. But then when I went back to Oxford during term time, I practiced on my friends because I realized I needed to come to grips with a lot of the technical side of things. So I needed people who were willing to put up with me and be patient. And my friends were the perfect guinea pigs. So they sure. were very happy to just sit around for hours, letting me practice lighting and, and all sorts of other things. And then oh, word yeah. got around. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Word got around. And then suddenly everyone heard about this student photographer doing cheap portfolios because I, I started doing that to put myself through my final few years at university. And um, I think I charged 50 pounds a portfolio. I would process everything myself. Um, print everything myself. So I found a really streamlined, very cheap way of, of doing everything from start to finish. Right. I think I ordered the film in bulk from Poland. And and so I found a really good way of making it all work. Um, yeah. And so then I started photographing people like Ros Pike um, or, or any any of the other people who were there at my time. Right, right. Yeah. What do you, like, what were they, what were they, did they just want to have, I mean, I guess some of them were artists, right? Some of them were maybe budding actors and actresses and they wanted a portfolio. Is that right? Mainly that. Yes, yeah. it was mainly that. Oxford attracts a lot of people who are into theatre. Right. There's no theatre course at Oxford. They, they study mainly English, I think. But uh, oh. so they, it tends to be a, a really fertile ground for, for that kind of talent. And they all want to find an agent. Uh, agents, in fact, come to Oxford during term. Well, it's called Freshers' Week, I think. There's there's some kind of festival week where they have a lot of productions, and and agents are on the lookout. So everyone's there to be seen, and they need headshots. And right, yeah. right, right. So little did you know, you were like falling into this <laughs> this like perfect storm of like people who need creative work, and you're like, I'm I'm your guy. I can do this. Absolutely, and I loved it. For me, it was also a way to meet people, you know, because I, I think at the time I was actually quite shy. I'm, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I would describe myself as an outgoing introvert, you know, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm someone who needs to be kind of, I need to push myself out of my shell most days. And photography is the perfect excuse to do that because you have a, you have a license to go into places you wouldn't normally go into um, and to meet people that you wouldn't normally have a That's chance true. to interact with. That's true. Yeah. I know, in, you know, in another, um, in another interview you did, you said a photo can make people feel good about themselves. So I just kept doing it. Is that, that that's true. Simple, but true. Is that still kind of your North star? Is that, is that how you still feel about it? That's a great question. I think I've changed over the years. Yes. Mm. Um, that will always be there, I think, but less so now, because I think now I care a lot less about, what other people think uh, mm. at the time when I was starting, it was, I was really dependent on their approval. So I right. wanted them to say, yes, that's a beautiful picture of me. Right. I love it. Yeah. And, and that's how I defined the success of that, of my shoot. But now right. obviously uh, after m- nearly 30 years of doing this altogether, I would say that I'm, I'm, um, I rely on my own sense of what's good and what isn't more and sometimes that will probably mean picking a picture where that person is not looking like what they they think they look like right right because that's the other thing i realize a lot of people have a um, mistaken view of themselves and Mm. 
And, um, you know, what I think is their best side or a really flattering expression on them is not necessarily what they're going to find flattering themselves. So we we yeah. try to reach a compromise or they come around and see what I see things, how I do. But mm-hmm. essentially, I'll never put out a picture that I think is not flattering of someone. It's just that my my opinion might not agree with theirs. Right. <laughs> that's that's diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we like speaking of Oxford? Like let's look at let's look at your first the first pick you shared with me. And and just for for those who are listening, I should mention that um you know all these picks you can see on my on my website under the my three picks um tab and under Frederick's name and he's he's um shared three group shots which are fantastic and i there's a story there's a narrative here because they take place over three decades as you say Mm -hmm. right so this first one is of a group at oxford it's uh there's a lot of characters in this room i think oh yeah am i right that was the that was the whole point for me Mm. so yes you're right i chose three pictures they're all spaced equally at 10 10 years apart so the first one was taken in 2001 right it was when I was still a student at Oxford and I um, I, I set myself a goal that before I graduated, I was going to shoot my first group portrait at Oxford with all my friends who were willing to let me do it right. in my own time. Because I grew up um, looking at a lot of Irving Penn's group shots that he did, you know, from the 40s when he was, I think it was 1947, he he photographed the 12 most photographed models at the time. Right. He also did the Ballet Theatre Company, um, a group of ballet dancers. He did Hell's Angels, The Grateful Dead. I mean, he had these most incredible group shots and the right. they were always, um, there was always a, a very easy theme to them, you know, so you you knew immediately who they were. Right. Um, and they were all done in camera, clearly, because this is pre-Photoshop. And, mm-hmm. I, and I thought this is this is a, an incredible art form. You know, photography is hard enough as it is. If you're trying to capture something about a person's uh, character, something telling about something, someone, even just an individual is hard enough as, as it is. If you're trying to do that about a whole group, mm. that's next level to me. Totally. And um, and I also grew up in the 90s as a teenager looking at Vanity Fair. They had the Hollywood issue already right. at the time, and it was all Annie Leibovitz and, yeah. and some of those other photographers. Um, and I did and I did take a lot of inspiration from those. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I naively thought that all of Annie's pictures were done in camera, and I was heartbroken when I found out years later that they were not. Um, <laughs> but by that point, I had already done my own group shot, which is the first one that we've got here. Yeah. Um, because I, I didn't know how to use Photoshop at the time. This is shot on film on a medium format. Yeah. Um, so I had to really understand how to technically do that so that I could get it all in camera so that they were all sharp in yeah. focus um, so that the lighting was uniform on all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I didn't have to actually move people around in Photoshop afterwards. So I had to actually spend a really long time composing it. Right. And and for me, Irving Penn was a master of that. You know, if you look at all these compositions, 
there's a real art to to it. There is something that feels instinctively right when people are composed nicely in a picture so that they have enough space to breathe individually, you know, they're not all bunched together, mm -hmm. uh, but that they also look convincing as a whole. I think that it's something that either you just got it naturally or you don't. Right. And and for me, when I look at those pictures or even those of Annie Leibovitz, I, I appreciate the composition at a very deep level. I, I look at that and I... And I put myself in each person's place and I think this feels right, you know, or maybe they should have had their arm a little bit more like that. You know, the yeah. lines would have been much more dynamic because yeah. there are these overarching lines that run through it that allow your eye to travel around. Sure. The picture. Sure, and those sure. things often happen just very naturally without you even having to think too much about it. Yeah. So in this Oxford picture, I, I decided that I was really going to try and do it all in camera, get it all technically right. Mm. But at the same time, I wanted to do it well. So I convinced Tatler magazine to give me a commissioning letter for a stylist to borrow some clothes from all sorts of fashion houses, which was a big deal. I mean, I had never done this before. This was proper yeah. like fashion shoot production level. Right, right. So I got a fellow student who was very sort of um knowledgeable about clothes to to use that commissioning letter to approach all the different brands in bond street uh because they had tatler's name behind it they yeah. they let us borrow clothes we even got jewelry lent to us you know they had they sent bodyguards to be there on the day yeah um, it didn't actually stop one of the models from walking off with the pair of earrings without realizing it so yeah the, the bodyguard had a bit of a fright yeah um yeah we i decided to do it all right and then we we used the oxford union library to for the whole day and i and i actually just had them sit there literally for a few hours while i i moved everyone into position mm -hmm. and then only after all that had been done i would i would start taking the pictures you know yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and um and it was a gamble because I couldn't see what I was doing. It was all on film. I sure. wasn't with Polaroids. Sure. There was no digital camera around. Yeah. And um, and it was wonderful when the pictures came back because uh, they were in color. So I sent those off to the lab. Mm. When those came back, it was just such a great moment because I mm. realized that I could do it. Right. I realized I can get this all done. The technical side of things is not easy, but I can do it. Yeah. And I'm seeing a result that actually makes me um vibrate and makes me brings me very deep joy as yeah. a photographer as a creative i i feel like i'm actually fulfilling some kind of potential that i i've always thought i had to yeah. do the kind of thing yeah yeah but it was it was great because i i managed to experience the entire process of shooting um organizing planning yeah. Yeah. shooting and then the post production <clears throat> of that and um and it was and that was all on top of my studies. You know, this was all. Yeah. In my right. Well, it's an, I mean, listen, you know, as, as, as a photographer too, like, you know, when you get, when you get one person in a great shot and everything's right, you're like, Hey, this is fantastic. But when you've got a group and they're all hitting it well, you know, that's a, that's, as you say, it's next level. Right. So this one is, is, is amazing. Right. Like how, like how many shots do you think you, took 
actually, you know, I didn't take many shots because I was so busy preparing it that by the time I started shooting, you know, I was also using a medium format camera, right? which is quite a slow process as a mummy. You know, you've got to rewind it every 10, yeah, yeah. Every 10 shots. You've got to change the film. My uh, One of the people in the picture actually said to me, Freddie, take more pictures. You know, you're, right. you're, you're, you're taking only just a few. And, and what if some of us have our eyes closed or right. something? Like right. You need to have more pictures. So then I, I started speeding up a bit. Yeah. And... Um, but, you know, the preparation, I spent an hour rearranging all the books in the library on the shelf behind. Oh, yeah. Like, no, books, sure. And I feel bad because then they're probably all mixed up after that. The Dewey Decimal <laughs> System flew out the window. They they definitely, whoever found the books after was probably very pissed off because they yeah. were all mixed up. But they look good. <laughs> yeah, they look good. I mean, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a nice, a nice, uh, John Dunn piece, and you're like, what is he doing over in Q or P? And you'd, be, you'd be pissed off, right? Um, but you know, I mean, I look at the shot, and that what I think the thing, well, the thing that jumps out at me at all your shots too is like, it's it's like people are on, like it's everybody's on. The facial expressions are great. Um, I mean, the st- I didn't know about the styling. I was going to ask you about the styling and all that stuff, but you've, you've answered that, so. I was like, these, <laughs> I was like, these people have some good style. They showed up at your shoot and they look pretty good. Um, but it's, it's sharp, you know, that's, Thank that's you. a really nice piece. How, well, what was your, what was your light setup for that, by the way? Like, do you know what? I think I had four flashes, four flash, flash heads on, on stands with umbrellas and, mm. and I, and they were just spread out evenly across the space. Okay. Um, and because they were, but with umbrellas, the there were no shadows behind everyone. It was all diffused beautifully, right. which I had obviously tested many times before. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, in terms of their expressions and everything, they're on because I was I was ruthlessly keeping them all entertained. And you have to really <laughs> people's attention spans are very short. I discovered, you know, That's and true. even and nowadays I would never have that much time with a group. Uh, because nowadays these are commissions that I get yeah. and these people are busy. They don't have the whole day to just sit around while I'm, while I'm experimenting. So I've right, got to be right. ready. And then they, they only have maybe 20 minutes uh, where they're really switched on. And then mm-hmm. after that, that's it. Their attention's gone and the shoot is over. Right. But here I, I really had a chance to, to, to stimulate them the whole time. And, and I found that I'm actually, um, I actually enjoy doing it because you have you have to keep talking, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. while you're looking at the entire the overall look of the whole group as a whole, mm. you know, you're also looking at individuals and there's always a loser in a group shot. You know, there's always someone kind of lagging a little bit that needs yeah. extra encouragement. So you've got to pull them up to everyone else's level right. without making them feel bad and without yeah, yeah. Them feel like they're letting people down. So it's about affirming people in a very positive way and i find that i can do that because i've i always had people around me doing that to me when i was growing up i know what feels good right and and i and i find that i'm i'm quite good at just getting into really granular details like oh your your hand would look better turned this way or Mm. your, your foot your leg would be better stretched out that way um, all of that whilst looking at the overall thing as yeah. well. So I think you have to be able to multitask. 
mm. and just keep clicking while you're doing it so that right. they're all being stimulated and that they they're all still switched on looking at you i mean you know it's interesting because earlier you said like you know again the, the questions about like you know your childhood and stuff and you said you're like a, i think it was you're an introverted extrovert or, or i think that was i'm an out yeah outgoing, out, outgoing, outgoing okay outgoing introvert but you know you, you almost have to be like a film director you know in that kind of strength you're portraying and keeping everybody on on point what do you think what would people say about you you know do you what do you think you people your group subjects might say about frederick would it be like that guy is like he's really tough or oh god i i dare not think what they would say but i i hope it would all be good i tend to have good experiences on photo shoots people people come to me with their best behavior because they want to they want to show their best side and then yeah i'm an, i'm i would say i'm a i'm a person who's easy to get along with and i'm not I don't make it about me, even though I'm a leader in in that setting, mm. because I have to be. But I don't make it about myself. So I'll give people space to shine and to be the center of attention if if that's what they want to do. Yeah, you know, there's a. I think a lot of photographers, what they do, is they make it all about them. You know, right. and they're they're the star of the shoot, whereas actually they're not. We're totally not. not. We're yeah. we're behind the camera. The yeah person you're photographing should be the star of the shoot and that's exactly what i let them be right because i'm not interested in being the star of the shoot anyway and right, right, uh, right. and so i've only had great experiences i think that maybe there are a few people who as i said there's always someone who's the loser of a picture like mm. this unfortunately but that's inevitable when you've got such incredible egos or talents in one room yeah but, you know that's also the amazing thing about a group portrait what is a group portrait it's an event right uh, which is why it's so heartbreaking when i hear that some of them are all photoshopped together where some some of those people never actually met because the whole idea for me what makes a group portrait so great is that is, is precisely the fact that they were all there together at the same time and right. you you look at that and you think, well, what were they saying to each other, you know? And, yeah. and was there, were there little rival factions, sure, you know, sure, were they, sure. you know, and, and how does the hierarchy work and all of that? Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's such a fascinating thing to deal with is, is to bring all these people together and to let them interact with each other within the framework that I'm giving them, you know, within the, the, the confines of that space is to let the magic happen and you cannot plan any of that it will happen naturally when you have people together in one room you know you talked about egos and competing egos you know where i'm going with this you're talking about egos and like <laughs> yes are you going to the second photo i am i am going to the second photo so i'm going to the vogue uh editor's photo there's some there's some big hitters in this photo there's some big mm -hmm. there's some big hitters in this photo tell me how this came about so this was exactly 10 years after the first one and by this point i was already living in london established as a as a photographer and and I guess word was getting around that I there was someone doing group portraits in camera, you know, yeah. because because that one at Oxford was done in camera, and then I did many more since then. Right. Um, Vogue had a very specific brief, and it was 
kind of Mission Impossible. Um, and so they came to me with it, you know, which yeah, was like, uh, great. A, a curse and a compliment. Yeah. They said, they said, we have, um, we have, we want to take a group portrait of all the editors of all the international editions of, of Vogue from all right. the different countries. There were 17 at the time. And um, it has to all be done in camera because the picture needs to be released 20 or 30 minutes after the shoot because it needs to make a cutoff point for all the newspapers before Friday uh, afternoon, Friday evening, so that it can make all the Sunday papers or something like that. Right. So no pressure. Um, no pressure. You know, I mean, at, be at best, usually when, when you have all these incredible people to photograph and you're doing a group shot some i mean vanity fair they they post they they photoshop those groups for days if not weeks after after the shoot because they want to get everything perfect you know and right. it has to fit beautifully and the stakes are so high mm. here the stakes were just as high because that picture is going to go around the you know that that picture is going to go viral and, and going to go around the world because of the nature of who's in it yeah, yeah and the fact that it's the first time that they've all been shot together it's the first time you've got all the vogue editors together it doesn't ever happen you know it's never it's never happened since actually wow. you know and uh and so you know that picture is immediately going to be judged by everybody sure where 2011 that was already we were already all online even though Instagram was not there yet, but everyone was on Facebook, et cetera. Mm. So, so it's a lot of pressure, you know? And, and so they came to me because I, I, I can do it in camera and I'm very happy to have a challenge for me. It's the challenge is part of it. You know, I think if, if you feel that the stakes are so high and that, uh, you just, there's no other option but success because you're just going to plan the hell out of the whole photo shoot, the whole process. Yeah. And, and you just have no room to fail. Then, you know, it's going to be, it's probably going to pay off and be an incredible experience. Sure. Sure. And, and that's, I'm speaking as a photographer to experience something like this as a photographer, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, you, you, it's, it's like once every 10 years that you get a chance like that to, to take oh, a picture that is going to define an era yeah. that you know is going to be scrutinized and that it can be it can also be a historical document. So yeah. so on the day of the shoot, I showed up 12 hours before Vogue <laughs> editors and, and set it up and and literally measured everything. I had I had diagrams of exactly how much distance I wanted every between each person and then set it all up. And then I had some photography students come to sit for three hours to uh, let me test the light on them. So okay. I had people pretending to be Anna Wintour, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and they let me practice the entire process so that by the time the real editors showed up, I, everything had already been practiced about 10 times and, right. and the light was already in place. So there was nothing to yeah. change. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've got, uh, there's so many questions about this, but like, you know, did you have, did you have serious imposter syndrome at any times during this? <laughs> no, no, no. I felt okay. like that was my, I felt like I was ready. I, I, I honestly feel, and I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit deluded, but I, I, I honestly felt like I was born to take that picture because mm. it was it was something I grew up dreaming about. Sure. It was something I had done for 10 years 
prior to that moment. Right. And then the different languages that I needed to speak, I could speak. You know, there was uh, the Japanese editor who needed to be spoken to in Japanese. There were there were obviously most people spoke English, but there was also the French editor, and I'm and I'm from Switzerland, and yeah. And so I felt like I I kind of had what it what was needed to do that. Right. Yeah. Are you glad that shoot's over? <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly slept better after it was over. I can tell you that. I I went on a party binge for two or three days after that because it was it was in Tokyo and there was some kind of fashions night out thing going on. So I went out and I had a great time and and definitely let my hair down after that. Yeah. But um. And you were like, yeah, guess what I did today? <laughs> exactly. But the thing about me is that I, I put myself through this all the time just by myself. Like I, the first shot you see there at Oxford, that was all on my initiative. And, and because mm-hmm. I pushed my, I put myself in that uncomfortable position of having to take this, to make these group shots successful and making them happen. You don't, you're not sort of resting. You're never at ease because you're, you're constantly setting yourself these targets. And so for, I mean, soon after that, uh, the Vogue editors group shot, I, I was on to the next project, you know, and I'm sending myself more tasks, even when other people are not, I'm setting them for myself. Right. Do you, I mean, you know, because it is such a big high profile group, obviously, and it's a big publication, arguably one of the biggest, mm. um, did that kind of set you up? Do you think like after that, were you, were you kind of the, like a, a in demand, I guess, as it were? Definitely. I think yeah. that it was one of my biggest breaks for right. sure. Right. But right. I always say that I've never had one big break to break them all. I think that like you, as a photographer, it's a, it's a succession of small breaks yeah. that add up yeah. over time. Um, and I think that's the way it should be because it, you don't want to be a flash in the pan that suddenly is very hot because you've done, you've had a big break and then it's suddenly a year later, no one's calling you anymore. I think the reason people call you is because as with the Vogue editors, they knew you, they know you can do something right, because right. You've, you've proven it over time. So you mm. built up that reputation you've built up the portfolio over decades mm-hmm. and then people will keep giving you those little breaks. As far as the Vogue editors thing goes, it was one of the bigger breaks for sure. And sure. it definitely generated a lot more commissions after that. For yeah. Sure. You know, one thing I've noticed about your shots too, and you, and you mentioned this, you referred to this earlier is like, there is definitely, there's something theatrical about it, you know, and I've you've used that word a couple of times, like dramatic, you know, I, I've, I've, in that sense of space, you know, mm-hmm. like when I looked at, when I looked at your portfolio, I, I, one thing I kind of saw was like every shot seems to be so carefully thought out just in terms of that spatial awareness, whatever pose they might be in. Um, you know, that's a theme. That's a theme in your shots, the theater, mm-hmm. I think, is it? It, I think so. Yes, I, I wouldn't say I, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a very dramatic person, but I think my pictures come out quite dramatic because I, I have a, I have a taste for drama and uh, and I like it and I like when things are heightened and and I know what I'm looking for in terms of poses and aesthetically I know I know exactly what I'm looking for and what makes my what makes me tick. You mm. know? Mm-hmm. And that is usually much more heightened, dramatic lighting, contrasted lighting, uh, rich colors, 
um, and and also beautiful backdrops and mm-hmm. and settings mm-hmm. and beautiful clothes. You know, I think a shoot, as I said, a group portrait. It's an event. It means something that all these people are together in that picture. Yeah. So it's not a banal thing at all. You've got to you've got to mark the occasion with a picture that is going to define that moment where they were all together because that moment will probably never happen again. Let's go to your last one. The one the one that you shared. I th- it's Gucci, correct? It's the house of it's the gorgeous house of Gucci. So yeah. they it's not the brand Gucci. I've worked with them on other things. This is a voguing house. Okay. Um, in the style of Paris is Burning, which is the seminal documentary from 1987 in in, in New York's Harlem and Brooklyn, mm. uh, which looked at the the ballroom voguing scene, which is the LGBTQ uh, underbelly, really, not the mainstream part of the community, but the it's all the transgender, it's the black and African and Latino uh, community that w- didn't feel welcome in the main part of the the community and, and all the gay bars at the time, mm. they set up their own events okay. so that they could have a safe space for themselves to feel safe and to celebrate each other's achievements and talents. And so that's, sort of, that's actually started in the 60s, but that documentary, Paris is Burning, was in the 80s. And then that ballroom voguing tradition has lasted ever since, and it's and it's thriving now. Mm. Madonna, Madonna drew a little bit from that for her Vogue video. Yep. Uh, you know, the Vogue voguing is it, it came from them trying to emulate the poses that they saw on the cover of Vogue because okay. that was something that they could aspire to, which they felt like they would never have access to at that point. They didn't have access to that, so they 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 invented this style of dance which which recreated those poses for their own fun and entertainment you know and for them to kind of dream and and voguing is now a huge thing so i went to a vogue ball in paris uh last year so this is exactly 10 years after my vogue editor's picture now is 2021 and they still hold these events every few months where these different houses come together and they compete against each other okay. in these Vogue balls in all these different categories. You have, for example, runway where they all pretend to be Naomi Campbell or Cindy Crawford walking down the runway. Right. Or they have executive realness where they pretend to be on their way to the office in a suit with a briefcase. Because at the time, a lot of those people never had access to that kind of world, you know? Right. And so they still do this nowadays. And so this group portrait is of a Vogue house. Okay. And this house, it's basically a family of people. Uh, and they're called the House of Gorgeous Gucci. And okay. a house is is essentially a, a, a chosen family. Uh, it's a logical family for people to um to support each other and it's a support network where you have mothers and fathers who look after the younger members um some of who have been thrown out of their biological family homes because they are gay or trans and they're not accepted in their community so they come to the big city right and they get taken into these um these new families these houses and then that gives them a support network right 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 some amazing 
I mean, so where is, which house is, is this, where is this house based? Is this a French or? So it's, it's mainly, actually it's, it's an international house. These okay. houses are international, so they have different chapters. And this is, this is actually a significant picture because it's the, it's a group portrait of, of pretty much the entire house uh, from all the chapters around the world. So you've got okay. a lot of them from who came, they flew in from LA, New York, uh, all over Europe, some are from Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, Italy, etc., Holland. Uh-huh. Um, and so they all kind of, and a lot of them are from France, obviously. Yeah. And they all showed up in Paris. And this was taken the day before the ball. So they were all ready to go. They were, they all had their outfits um, and they all have different talents. So a house consists of people with different talents. Some of them they enter a category called face where it's all about just showing off the beauty of their facial structure. Mm-hmm. Some of them, um, they, they enter a category, a category called labels where it's all about what designer labels you're wearing. It's quite fun. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so they all have different skills. Some of them are dancers. Some of them are models. Some of them are uh, performers. They do mime. I mean, there's all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, for me, this is such an, such an important picture because it brings together a an entire house which you don't usually get to see so this is another type of family really uh and and also it brings together just the the sheer diversity of their talent right right yeah it's an well it's an incredible photo again like i the thing that jumped out to me right away was the colors like i just love the colors in this picture Thank you. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying is that I'm I'm trying to push myself to make more elaborate, much more thought out pictures. This is a much bigger group, first of all, so mm-hmm. it's a lot more people to direct. Uh, yeah. But I, I, for me, that comes naturally. I, I enjoy it. I immediately see things that I want them to do, and I have ideas, and they usually go along with it. Um, and then in terms of the styling, it, it's great because they they're very specific themselves about what they wear and how they present themselves. So it's, it's great because you can, you can throw a theme. In this case, it was Marie Antoinette pastels, you know, some of them had lace and that kind of costume, but then it's also in pastel colors, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, And they all, they all came up with their own look. One or two of them have colors that, stand out for the wrong reasons but actually i like that because that one or two of them came up with more sort of neon-ish kind of pinks and purples and i and i think and i discovered that actually those were very important too because if everyone was just in pastels it would Mm. look a bit boring that you need to have some something to, to stand out visually as well um and i can see the progression you know like i Although, you know, there's, there's a connection certainly between the Oxford photo and, and this one, but your ability to, uh, to be more complex, certainly in the photos is, is pretty evident, I think over time. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having such a great time with it. I'm really enjoying myself. For me, this is really where my heart is with photography is, is with these group shots. And that's where I feel like I'm, I'm really alive. I come, I come to life as a photographer and I, and I, you know, I move to tears sometimes because I'm so happy mm. after, during a shoot or after a shoot, because I, I, I get this very, very strong feeling. This is what I'm here to do yeah, yeah. You know, in, my, yeah. in my life. 
is to take such is to take these group shots. I, I, what a yeah. random thing to want to do, but this is what I want to do. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, but it's great, you know. And like, and I think, I think, um, you know, I think Instagram can be a very dark rabbit hole. People can go down that, you know, of just feeling inadequate and just like, you know, ju- constantly judging yourself against other people. Um, but it's nice to find a lane, you know, where you think, ah, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, I enjoy doing this. I think the quality kind of comes, I'm happy here, you know? And it yeah. sounds, it sounds like you've, you found that. So I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy that I didn't have Instagram when I was in the early stages of my career. I, I feel like I've had the time to develop by myself without having to be, do it publicly Make, mm. I made all my mistakes. I mean, I'm, I didn't make all of my mistakes yet. I, I'm sure I've got plenty more coming up, but <laughs> I made those mistakes enough that I know what not to do now. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing the, what I should be doing. And yeah. Instagram is now here and I can share it. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Do you have time for a quick fire round? Sure. All right. I like to end with a quick fire round. It's always fun. So best way to spend a free 24 hours for Frederick. Drinking tea and going to a museum. Okay. Person or group you'd love to shoot or have a chance to shoot with. Uh, The Royal Ballet. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to doing that next month. Okay. Uh, A word or phrase you most overuse. (laughs) Um, basically (laughs) Vivian Vivian Westwood I I was I was on a shoot with her and I and I gave her a copy of my book and I said basically it's about a it's about a fashion collector and she said oh does she basically collect (laughs) and she called me out on using that word so often which actually (laughs) it it made me stop using it (laughs) (laughs) oh it's good it's good you you knew it though you went to it quickly (laughs) Basically. Okay. I mean, I called her out on what she was saying as well, which was not grammatically correct. But then I said, you know, uh, in my defense, I'm not a native English speaker. So what's your defense? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Florence and the Machine or Pet Shop Boys? Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, it's a clear winner there. (laughs) Uh, Karaoke or charades? Karaoke, so much fun. Yeah. Go-to song? I sing a lot of Elvis at karaoke. Uh, I can't help falling in love with you. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. I'm glad you, you know, again, you were, you're right there, karaoke. Um, okay. California or the Cotswolds? California. California. Quick fire round is complete. Thank you for that. Thank you. That was so much fun. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, Frederick. What's coming? What's coming up for you? You mentioned the the ballet. What 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 can people look forward to? I'm working on a new book, um, which is about a Japanese modeling agency in Tokyo, hmm. and uh, and it's an agency that I've been working with for the last twenty plus years. Uh, photographing all of their models who are all Japanese models. And so I think it could be, it's going to be a really interesting look at beauty from a different standard, beauty that we don't see every day here in the West Mm -hmm. and uh, an appreciation of that beauty. Yeah. 
that's always been a, 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 a certainly a, a dream to go and and uh, to to Japan and also just the whole uh, fashion scene there. I think is really cool. Um, I'm so glad you could come on the show today. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for allow. For, thank you for allowing me to slide into your DMs and you're like, sure, I'll come on the show. So I'm I'm forever grateful for that. You have to you have to go check out Frederick's work. Uh, group shots, portraits, editorials, exhibitions. There's so much to see. Um, best place to do that is probably at his website, frederickaranda.com or Instagram at Frederick uh, at Frederick Aranda. Thank you again, Frederick. I really appreciate you coming on today and, and telling us about your life and just, you know, giving giving some of your insights into to where the, the, the good place you've come. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to, to be part of your podcast. I really enjoyed myself. And that's our episode. My thanks to Frederick Aranda for coming on the show and talking us through his, how he does stuff uh, and how his career has gone and the last 30 uh, years of becoming this world-renowned uh, photographer. So again, so much great gratitude for him coming on the show. Stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to Amsterdam where I'm talking to um, Dutch photographer uh, David Cohen Delara, and we get into some great talks about light and just the use of kind of drama and character in his photos. Um, he does some amazing stuff, so be sure to check that one out. Until then, subscribe, download, do the rest. You know the deal. It all helps. And uh, I hope everybody's keeping well. Take care.